listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. With me today, I've got a real treat for you, a very, very special guest, somebody who is an Amazon number one best-selling author with not one, but two books, someone who has toured the world with his band, mentored under Gene Simmons while opening for Kiss, and someone who is a serial musical entrepreneur, and someone who I'm sure is going to share a wealth of knowledge on a ton of different topics. I'm very excited to have, after reading his first book, during the middle of lockdown and going, oh, wow, this guy's definitely clued on to some better ways of teaching. So this has been, uh, since the inception of the podcast, even before the podcast, someone who was on my top five list. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Steve Mastriani to the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, man. And it's definitely not, uh, you know, something that's been a long time coming. You were definitely one of the, the first five people I messaged about this podcast. And I'm glad that, uh, 25 or so episodes in, we were able to get you to come on board finally. So you're obviously a busy, busy man, a serial entrepreneur. So I'm really, really grateful you made the time for this. And uh, I just discovered today that, you know, you've been busy writing another book, but we'll get back to get to that all very, very shortly. So for the listeners who haven't heard of you, can you give us a, a brief overview of your story so far? You know, your journey from being a guitar player in a touring band to going into the online teaching space and becoming a teaching guru and now becoming the author, best-selling author, I should say, of multiple books. Yeah. First of all, dude, thanks so much. Um, I, that Definitely, it's an honor. Uh, I know we've been trying to connect for a little while and uh, to be in the top five, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, my, my journey, it's always been entrepreneurial. Like, I think a lot of people will look at guitar players and kind of assume the mentality is always the same for every guitar player. And um, like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being like the artsy type or anything like that. But I was always more of the entrepreneur. And even when back when I was 11 years old, like I was originally a drummer and I just knew that in order to do what I wanted to do, which was travel the world, I wanted to put a band together. I wanted to, I knew that if I had to put a band together, then I'd probably have to write some songs. I kept reverse engineering. I don't know where I learned that from, but uh, I just kept reverse engineering it back to, okay, I need to start writing songs. I'm not gonna be able to write songs on drums. So let me switch to guitar. Let me just try one of my buddies had a guitar and I just started teaching myself some Green Day songs. And, you know, and that's where it started, where I just was always trying to get my ideas out. And I just started cultivating, um, you know, just different skills and songwriting skills that turned into this band and this band and this band. And one of the bands that really hit big was um, my band called The Envy. Um, we were the first signing to Gene Simmons record label, uh, Simmons Records. He wanted to, he came up to Canada because his wife, Shannon Tweed, is, uh, is Canadian. And he just wanted to sign a band and he was looking for a band to sign. And, you know, just we, it happened all at the, at the right time. Um, we met, um, so Gene flew up to Canada and we showcased for him. And yeah, we hit it off right away. Like I remember we went out to an Indian restaurant across the street from the venue and we we're just talking about songs and man, that guy, like it, a lot of people assume they know what, like what that guy's all about. And I just, I guess I did too, but that guy knows music, man. Like, it, I mean, kiss, whatever the, whether that's your taste or not. Like I was never a kiss fan growing up, but it, it's like, that guy knows songs. He's very smart. Gene Simmons knows about songs and he loves the Beatles and you too. And so we're just talking like meeting of the minds. And anyway, so we hit it off. Um, even before we signed a record contract, we were just talking about our songs and starting to work on stuff. And I think that I really respect that, like trying to feel things out before we uh, put pen to paper, um, like to a contract. And so anyway, to make a long story short, we got signed. Um, we toured with Kiss, wrote with a bunch of big songwriters. And things were, things were going really well. I mean, music industry was changing. Uh, so it was a bit frustrating at times, but yeah, it was, um, I mean, opening for kiss, um, obviously it was super epic, but 
you know, fast forward a little bit from there, the reason why, how I got into what I'm doing right now is because in, back in 2013, my father got real sick and, um, and I don't have a big family. And so I basically, I pressed pause on my music career to take care of him because I just knew that I was kind of next in line to, to, to do that, like our first in line, I should say. And so I became his primary caregiver, which for someone who was playing huge state, like stadiums and like just not even my, like not even people calling me Steve. Like, I mean, my stage name is void. And so like to be back at home, sleeping in the bed that I was sleeping in when I was eight years old, like being in the same city for more than one day. Oh man, it was like an identity crisis, but obviously I had to take care of my dad. And, um, and so when I was home, I just, instead of like going insane, I started a business and, and online business really helped out because obviously I had to be in a hospital or I had to be at home or I had to just be mobile. So, um, that's how this whole thing started. Just pressing pause on that rock star, you know, that life for, you know, for, I guess, a greater good for, you know, taking care of my family. And that's how this whole thing was born. Fantastic. So obviously something good came out of a, a negative situation and you were able to adapt and, and plunge into the online space. So uh, tell us more about, um, you know, the foundation of your business and, and did it evolve and adapt as you figured things out? Totally. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, like I, from a teaching standpoint, on and off tour um, for years, I've been teaching. I mean, that was actually one of my first decisions. Again, like that entrepreneurial mind always kicking in that I knew when I was, um, I think I was 17, that I could either be flipping burgers at Burger King or McDonald's and or Macca's. Uh, I love that you guys, I love that McDonald's changed <laughs> it over like in, in, in Oz. Um, anyway, so um, I knew I could either do that or like, I'm like, how do I become a professional musician? How do I have a guitar in my hands all the time? And so I realized that I should start teaching. And um, that way I have a, a guitar in my hands all the time. And I can, you know, get better at guitar, I get better at writing, and also um, make some money in the process, you know, to, to buy more equipment and all that stuff. And so anyway, I started teaching for, for years and years and years, I was teaching on and off tour. Um, but then when my dad got sick, and um, one of my one of my clients at the time, he was saying like, Hey, why don't you just put your stuff all online? Like the same stuff you're showing me, like, why don't you put it online? And I thought like, Oh yeah, I'll just do that. Like in a few weeks and it'll be awesome. Like I'll have some side income and all that. Just totally naive of all the work that goes into it. And, um, and so I kept putting that off, but finally I sat down and started putting it together. So I had the, um, the teaching skills and the coaching skills, but I didn't have the, um, marketing chops or I didn't really know. I was kind of like learning the lay of the land as I went. But I, I knew somehow I knew that by focusing on my strength, which was uh, teaching guitar at the time, focusing on that, then that's how I would learn marketing. Like that's how I would learn online business is by focusing on, um, on guitar first. But I always wanted to, when I got into the online space, I wanted to understand how to build an online business because somehow I just knew that by doing that, that I could then teach other people to do that. Like it's very strange that, but that was always my goal when it came to the online business. I use the guitar stuff to get into it and to learn it. And I still do to this day. It's my guinea pig. It's like my, my laboratory, but it's also, I could do different tests so that I can then make money and teach other people how to make money um, using online business. So it's, it's very interesting how like it all kind of comes together, but instinctively back in 2014, that's what, that's what I started doing was, um, wanting to help other people, uh, make more money. Fantastic. And at the time, was your model like live lessons to people anywhere in the world? Or was it more creating content that people could buy or subscribe to? Yeah. Great question. So I did do some live lessons, like one-on-one -on -one lessons. I did that a bit, but I realized there were limitations to that um, pretty early on. So even before, actually, even before Rockstar Mind, I did have some people who I was teaching on Skype at the time. And um, but when Rockstar Mind started getting going, like I uh, when I launched that, I had an ebook, an ebook called Rockstarter Guitar. So that was kind of my first, my first info product. And that on the back end of that, there was a membership called the band and it was just a $27 membership. And so I started getting that going. And again, I thought as soon as I launched this thing and pressed the launch button, holy smokes, the windfall of cash, like I got to prepare myself because I just, I just assumed. Right. And so I didn't realize how much work it was going to be, but it was the format I already, I already, I learned to leverage my time, um, must have come from like songwriting royalties and just building assets instead of 
I'm here sitting here right now and I have to teach this lesson uh, from start to finish. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I understood the limitations that, okay, if I build something, I could keep selling that thing over and over and over and, um, and get royalties. Or in this case, it would be, you know, like PayPal notifications of this person bought, this person bought, this person bought. So the author mentality, the songwriter mentality of creating assets that you keep getting paid for over and over again, that was something that was kind of part of it from day one. Fantastic. And in terms of Rockstar Mind, what is that today for the, those who are lis- uh, listening and are, are keen to know more about it? So Rockstar Mind, it's so interesting how things evolve because when I first started it, again, it started off being a guitar teaching uh, business where it was all about just, okay, so cool. Like all these things that I developed over the years, I'm going to just teach other people how to do that. And where it is today is there are three distinct avenues um, that that people will go down. It's either play, write, or teach. Some people, all of them, but play, write, teach. You either want to play covers um, or perform covers. Like one of my new pro- programs is Peak Performer. That, that that's all about play but then right i have um songwriter studio where because there's different facets to my career like being a professional songwriter and writing some songs that did pretty well helping other people do the same thing because some people don't really care about playing covers they want to do their own stuff and then other people they um they know how to play covers but they also want to monetize it they want to make money so i have guitar coach academy which i started which is um which helps to certify people in teaching and coaching people uh, how to play guitar. So, so play, write, teach is really what um, Rockstar Mind is all about um, from the music side of things. But the other sort of branch of Rockstar Mind is now that things are, have been established and I released Hobby Boss, it's um, also all this stuff is me doing the, the, like all the experiments and seeing what works and what doesn't. And so for my Hobby Boss clients, which is still under the Rockstar Mind umbrella, that's the business coaching side. So I'd say about 80% of the business is, um, is music related. And then uh, 20% of the business is um, for business, like coaching or business. I only have so much bandwidth. So, but that's the, it's actually ironic because the hobby boss side of things where I help um, people turn their hobby into a business, that's like my hobby. Cause even if I didn't have the book or even if I didn't have the business, like I love talking to people about that. Like what's your idea and let's turn that into something and just helping people realize their potential. So that's what rockstar mind is right now. It's more of like a, a lifestyle business, like a, a way of thinking. That's why I didn't call it, um, you know, um, guitar mind or guitarist mind or, or guitar, whatever, like not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't my vision of having a guitar specific thing, just as a multi-instrumentalist and a songwriter and someone who's into business. I called it rockstar mind. Cause I wanted it to be more of like, um, a way of thinking and approach a mindset. Fantastic. And I think it definitely, you know, encompasses all those things and glad to see it's an, you know, an ever expanding project that can include more and more things. So you know, there's a million different things I want to ask you right now, but I do want to go back to, you know, what was it like opening for Kiss on their tour? Man, that was just, it was the biggest tour I've ever been on. Um, I've played big stages before. I've played in front of screaming crowds. But if you, man, it's just so funny how things work out that for some kid who th- was an entrepreneurial musician, like to hook up with Gene Simmons out of all, like, it's not, again, like I said, I wasn't a Kiss fan. I did like a few songs and definitely after hearing them so many times on tour, like we played like almost 40 shows with them across North America, like after hearing the songs so much, like, yeah, you remember certain things and there's certain songs that I like for sure, but I'm not in the Kiss army. And um, to hook up with the guy who's like, who created the brand to make a band a brand, like the most entrepreneurial musician I've ever seen to hook up with with him and uh, to just learn from experience, you know what what they do, man. It was seriously, it was to see the the raving fans and what, how they f- give the fans what they want. They always give the fans what they want. It, there's always um, the pattern interrupts and like all the things that we talk about in like marketing and and all that. Like all those things are all there. Um, the spectacle, the um, the the surprise, like again, giving the fans what they want, the merch, you know, like, again, like, look, I'm, I'm a shameless promoter of my stuff. Like I even my mug is rockstar mind. Like it's Gene obviously rubbed off on me. Um, but from a musical perspective, like, uh, from, from just being in a band and performing for those crowds, I have to say, I also had the fan base wrong. Like I thought, I thought that it would be one thing, um, that people will only care about kiss, but they came there ready to party. Just some of the coolest people that I still, some of them, I keep still keep in touch with, um, today, just super cool, 
out ready to have a good time and um, and super receptive. I think some of them knew that Gene signed us. And so maybe that also kind of helped. But we did really well on that tour, uh, made a lot of fans. And uh, in, <laughs> in Mexico, it, we made a lot of fans in Mexico. But in Mexico, they're way more hardcore about Kiss that like they were they just wanted to see Kiss. They were throwing pesos at us. And like so like I'd have like a peso hit me in the forehead as I'm as I was playing stuff. It was like it was still so much fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it was so interesting to see their fan base um, when you're talking about like, you know, tens of thousands of people. Uh, it, it was pretty, pretty epic. So, yeah, I learned I learned a lot about um, performance in general, but mostly about production and business and making it a spectacle, which was, you know, priceless. Yeah. And uh, you've hinted at a few things that you sort of picked up passively just from observing. Was there any instances where he took you aside or gave you some really direct advice, which has stuck with you since um, yeah, the contact you totally. <laughs> totally. One of the things for sure is um, the guitar strap height. Like that, that's not necessarily like, I guess he saw that as like an image thing for sure. Uh, he always wanted me to bring my guitar lower all the time. And I'm a tall guy, like I've got long legs and um, so does he. But like, you know, the stuff that I was playing is pretty precise. And like to to try playing that super low just didn't really work, especially with a Strat. Maybe with a Les Paul, it would have worked differently. But um, but yeah, he kept taking me aside. And like, Gene's a joker. Like he, he for like three weeks straight, every single day, he's like, void. Good. Like he always would make the gesture of bring the guitar lower, always lower, lower, lower. And so this is one of the things that I talked about in my book, Practice Less, Play More. You know, it got to the point where I said, I'm like, well, Gene, but it's a strat. Like, I can't really do that as as low. Uh, and like, he's like, but what guitar players, um, what guitar players play strats that have it high like that? I go, well, Jimi Hendrix. He goes, yeah, but Jimi Hendrix wasn't cool. And he knows Jimi Hendrix was cool, but he just wants to make the point. He just wants to make the point. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was howling. Anyway, so things like that. But that, that was that was more just you know like um, knowing that you'd be super cool even um and, and command a room even when um you know when when you're that big and um so like his gene has you know he has his, his persona his alter ego that he that he plays but he's really just you know he's like a jewish grandfather just like cracking the same jokes all the time and um but yeah another thing that stuck with me also he really liked void and wanted to trademark that like that it's like he he liked that because also i mean his birth, birth name isn't gene like it's not gene simmons um i think it's like heim witz i think his, his name is you know coming over to america and and branding himself and playing that role all those things really did leave a, an impression on me and how to show up kind of in uniform and um all those things it's it's genius i mean even though they're talking about kiss 2.0 and it's like of course of course when they retire there's going to be the new round that have the same makeup and all that i hope that it works out for them i mean i think it's a great idea but anyway those are the things like just really and also really taking care of the fans like i see how he like shakes everyone's hand take a picture like he, he he'll do whatever it takes to make the fans happy so i really respect that yeah he's definitely an amazing guy thinks outside the box and uh yeah it's the degree to which he thinks about business and strategy and things like that's you know totally amazing and i was just, uh thinking like um i remember last time kiss came out here there was like a special vip offer where for fifty thousand dollars gene would come <laughs> to your house and do a barbecue with you and 20 friends kind of thing and that starts it, yeah. with shaking someone's hand at a concert and having that massive impact you only got to do that with the right person and then you know get all the money on the back end there now i want to go in a slightly different direction and, and this is just something prompted from our conversation is the fact that you've obviously got the rock star dream that everyone's wanted you know everyone daydreams and fantasizes about all right, I'm going to join a band. I'm going to tour the world. And when you're opening for Kiss, that probably feels like you're there. You've arrived at that dream. And then to have that kind of, you know, snatched away from you because you've got to go look after your father and his ill health. And, you know, for a lot of people, there isn't a question about which one you would do. But obviously, it's going to take away a lot of what you've built, you know, your whole life up until that point was aiming at that one goal. And then you've got to change direction. So what was it like for you changing direction? And do you foresee yourself getting back into live performing and music at any point? Great question. And yeah, dude, like identity crisis to the max. Cause again, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't Steve from, you know, from the, the town that I grew up in. And, you know, I, I, it's not that I left that behind, but you know, I, I created this character and I'm waking up in a different city every single day. Um, you get used to that. And, and so, yeah, man, 
going from big stages where you're signing autographs and having a blast, like um, where now you're like it's hospitals and um, you're looking after your dad that, you know, you don't want to see him sick. And um, it was just, yeah, it was, it was a lot for sure. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think, I've always looked at my life like a movie, like not that not from like a narcissistic or egotistical way, but just more like that's one of the things that give me gives me peace. Like I've always wanted to help people and always wanted to I wanted to to create like I mean, even my my first tattoo was it was create. And um, so I always wanted to create. And so it didn't necessarily matter. Um, you know, like when I was eight years old, one thing I remembered after I finished my first book was I always wanted to be an author. And I forgot about that. I wanted to be then a songwriter, but that's just another way of saying author. And then when I wasn't a song, when I wasn't um, as active uh, with my music career, because I pressed pause on that, I started, you know, getting more into writing and creating, but other things. And what I realized was, okay, well, that's totally fine. Like if I'm not the rock star, then maybe I can make other people feel like rock stars. Maybe I like, as I was, you know, dude, it's, it's so funny because I've always been like the coach or the therapist on tour. Like people would come over, like even at my house, like I used to live at, um, in like this frat house kind of thing where we lived in, it was called the music mansion. It was this Victorian style mansion with just a bunch of like my band lived there with our crew. And you could imagine obviously like the crazy stuff that would go on at that house. Um, it almost, it seems like Neverland or something like that, but Everyone would be like, well, just, you got a problem. Like, just go down to Void's room, like go to the Void, go to Void's room. And like, I would just basically, I'd be coaching them through whatever it was, whether it was that they wanted, there was, um, they had problems in the relationship or they wanted to talk to this girl or they, um, had problems with something else. Like, it doesn't matter what it was, but I was always coaching. And so I realized like, I'm already, already doing these things. So now let's just lean into it instead of fighting it, like, I'm just not going to, I mean, my dad, unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, you know, we had a great two years together. And if I didn't take care of him during that time, I just don't, I would regret that. Like, if I was, if I chose, oh, well, you know, no, we were going to go on tour and all this, like, and then I found out that he passed away or something that like something really drastic happened. It would just, there's no way that you could go back from that. So, so, you know, obviously, like you said, like the choice was clear. Um, however, you know, it didn't make it, it didn't make it easier to like make that shift. It's just, I it did really try to pour myself in my work whenever I could, um, creating things and just making other people feel like that rock star. Cause one thing I noticed or realized early on was a lot of the pieces that make a successful business were kind of put together naturally, like the authority or the social proof or the, um, the, even the stage name, like even the whole idea of an alter ego and, um, performing and all those things, those really cater well towards like an online business where you're the face of the business, you know? And so I think I just translated the stage. Like it used to be this stage here where I'm the rock star and now I'm on a different stage, but I'm helping other people uh, feel like rock stars. Yeah. And I think that's so important for the next generation of, uh, you know, students coming up is to have people that do care. And aren't, uh, unfortunately there's a lot of guitar teachers who are, you know, angry or bitter or resentful that they didn't get their opportunity or, Again, they might be jazz musicians, not not knocking our jazz musician listeners, but they think that their kind of music is superior to pop music, but the pop music gets all the attention. You know, there's a lot of mixed vibes that go into teachers, but to have someone who, you know, can go the distance as a rock star, experience all these wonderful things and come back and try and share that with their students and the next generation of players, I think it's just so critically important and to have such a great outlook and desire to coach as well. The other, the there's like, I don't want to say the asterisks on that, but the other layer is I actually cater more towards uh, the older generation. So, so I mean, I have um, taught a lot of the younger generation before, but what I realized is that the older generation, I've always connected with more. I think that, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was like a 90-year-old in like a 20-year-old or 30-year-old's body at the time. I've always been kind of like, you know, an old soul, but it's interesting when you help someone who has always wanted to play they feel like they might be past their prime and they've always wanted to play and you help them come break out of their shell and feel like a rock star there where like they might be bored in life or they, they just, they gave up on their dreams, but you help them to touch that. Like some kids, I mean, I totally get that, like getting the ushering in the next generation for sure. And I have done that before, which is super cool and satisfying. There's something though about someone who, it's just like there's nothing exciting going on in their life. They tell you these things. They've also tried so many times and you and they're even on the brink of quitting and you help them 
you've inspired them to do something that they could never imagine they could do. It's just that makes it so worthwhile, dude. I don't care how much you pay me. Like that is something that I want to be part of every day. It's just so inspiring. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. And funny enough, I think we're at about, we're over 200 students at my Melbourne Guitar Academy studio, but it's easily 65, 70% of them are adults. And our specific marketing is talking to people to say, hey, you know, did you try this earlier in life but gave up or have you always wanted to do this? And they're the kind of people that, um, you know, they give it their all. And there's a lot of doubt from them because, as you said, they've, they've tried it a number of times and failed or they've had bad teachers in the past or when, when they tried it, their teacher tried to make them learn 200-year-old Beethoven songs. And not that there's anything wrong with 200-year-old Beethoven songs, but when all you want to do is shred or you play your favorite Akadaka riffs and things like that, it really does put people off. And to give them that second chance, as you've said, and and grant them that desire that they've wanted, the one thing they've always wanted to do for the last 30, 40, 50 years. And, and it builds. Like, you know, the longer they go without it, the more that they want it. And that just, uh, yeah, to have that impact on them is totally amazing. And there's definitely that the gratification of if you get, you know, a, a young blood who's just totally into shredding and wants to get that next level, like, yeah, it's awesome when you get someone who's one of those three hours a day minimum kind of practices, but anyone could teach those guys. It's the people that have struggled. It's the people who really want it badly and you actually have an impact on their otherwise mundane normal life and give them something they've always wanted. They're the true victories you have as a teacher. Oh, we could talk about this kind of stuff all day, but that kind of leads into uh, the whole reason I connected with you was after reading your book, Practice Less, Play More. Now, I, I could not escape this book in 2020. I think every time I opened up Facebook or Instagram or something, I was getting absolutely hammered with the ads. So I thought I just bought, I'll just buy this book and hopefully the ads will stop. <laughs> but um, I, I bought it and I read it. And I reckon like uh, I'm a pretty big reader, but I reckon within two days, I had to force myself to put it down halfway through on day one after it arrived. And then the next day, I read it all the way through to the end. And I was just like, I'm so on the same page as you on everything you've talked about in terms of, you know, what is going wrong with the modern educational approach to guitar lessons and all the experiences we could be or should be providing for our students. So maybe in your own words, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Practice Less, Play More, what led you to write it and, you know, what the philosophy is all about there? Yeah, man. And I appreciate the, the kind words. So for, for clogging up the newsfeed, it probably, the ads probably didn't stop when you, after you bought, but anyway, the, the, um, yeah, in 2018, I kind of hit after like record um, making a bunch of programs and trying a whole bunch of things and kind of being like jack of all trades, master of none, like being really frustrated that I could do a lot of different things, but not knowing what to really double down on. Um, I kind of hit like a rock bottom because we just had our daughter Milana in early 2018. And while things were going well on the songwriting side and, you know, things with Rockstar Mind, it, it kind of took a backseat. And anyway, one of my um, friends and mentors, James Schramko, he came out with a book, work, uh, what is it? Work Less, uh, Make More. Um, work Less, Make More. And um, I read that book, love the book, everything James does, I, uh, I love. And um, as I like really hit, because he's coaching me at the time. And as I like really hit that rock bottom, I'm just like, dude, I just don't know what to do. Everything was December 21st. I just really hit that bottom of, I just don't know what to do. And going into the next year, I don't know what to focus on. And it really hit me because as a father, um, I just, how am I supposed to provide for my family? So then I got this email about um, one of my buddies. Well, now my friends, I didn't know him at the time, but James Eager from uh, eBase Guitar, that how he doubled his business with a book. And at that moment, everything just happened. It's like one of those eureka moments where it's just like, I'm back, I'm eight years old again. And I remember that I want to be an author. And I, I'm like, why haven't I done that yet? Why haven't I written a book? And so all of the tw like 20 years of coaching and all the experience and everything just comes to a head at um, the busiest time, like Christmas time, the busiest time ever. But from that moment, like that day, I'd wanted, I didn't want to waste that inspiration. Never, ever. If you feel inspired, you have to lean into it and you have to obsess over it until, because that fire is not going to, um, that flame is not going to be uh, burning for that long. And so you got to like take advantage of it. And so I remember I outlined it that day. And then the next day, all the way until Boxing Day, I just wrote whenever I could. We had visits. We had Christmas visits and everything. Next thing I know, it's it's Boxing Day. Like it's it's about to be midnight onto the 27th. Like I finished this book. Like the book is done. And, and like 40 plus thousand words, whatever it was, but like, it was all done. And I just, I had to um, edit a few things, proofread a few things, 
but yeah, man, from like inception to bestseller was like six weeks total. It was all just so crazy. But, you know, practice less, play more. The whole idea was what I've just always been doing where it's like, okay, what's the path of least resistance to getting what you want? How do you create a game you're guaranteed to win? Like, I've always kind of done that type of thing. How do I leverage this or how do I leapfrog this? Like, um, if we meet this person, how do we meet this person? What's gene create for us? How do we get this and this? And it's always like just playing chess. And, um, and so with practice, let's play more. I based it all obviously off of my mentor, James Shramko, work less, make more, practice less, play more. And it's something it like encapsulated everything that I believed. And it's such a controversial title too, because a lot of people, got and continue to get pissed off about that title thinking that it means you don't have to pick up your guitar and do any work and then automatically you're going to be Hendrix. But the people who really get it, they understand what I mean is that playing music is the main focus. We're called guitar players. So playing music is always the focus. Okay. And we want to practice as efficiently as possible. So we're not playing the same thing over and over and over. So each song requires you to practice less and get the payoff and play more. So what the book is, it outlines a system and a, just a mindset of how to do that between, um, again, like mindset things and orchestrating it so that you create a game you're guaranteed to win with a focus on playing music, but then getting tactical about how do I actually program that muscle memory? Because I've studied accelerated learning and a whole bunch of different things. I've always been fascinated by that stuff um, and read a whole bunch of books when I was a teenager on guitar. I've bought like pretty much all of them. And so encapsulating all that stuff, uh, condensing it down to, um, to a book that's super conversational and and just basically just outlining that process of, of just playing songs. Because like you were saying, Beethoven, if someone comes to me and says that they want to play songs, I'm going to do the thing that makes them happy and gets a result. Because I believe that you need to have at least five to 10 songs before you're, you study any scales or theory or anything. Like first make the meals and then study the ingredients that go into it. Like you want to eat the meal first. So, so make, do that first. Get your hands dirty and make the thing first. Play the song first. And once you have five to 10, optionally, if you want to dig deeper and understand the grammar and all those things of the language, totally do it. I'm not against that at all. But starting with that, starting about here are all the ingredients and now I'm going to make music from it. I just think it's, it's, um, it's backwards because we were inspired in the first place by most likely by music. We're at a concert. And so start with the thing that really inspired you, play those songs. And, and also one of the key things, because one of the objections would be, well, how do I do that? I'm just a beginner. Or how do I play those songs? They're a little too complex. So what I say is instead of trying to match your current skill level to the level of the song, match the song to your current skill level. That's how you play from day one. So you just tweak it, you simplify things. But the whole idea is to get you playing because you're not going to become a better guitar player by you know studying and like this is why like how many people practice scales endlessly and never make music out of them or you know like they want to solo but it always sounds like a, a scale um learn the solos first and then work backwards you know get the moves the master moves first and then work backwards so yeah it's that's basically what the what practice less play more is all about and people open it up and they don't see any tabs, even though I say there's no tabs in here and like they don't see any tabs or anything. And a lot of people just don't get it. And that's totally fine. Those aren't necessarily, that's not my tribe, right? Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a, you know, a philosophical book and, and uh, something that completely resonated with me was you said people want to become guitar players, but we along the lines of, but we end up becoming professional practices kind of thing. And all we do is practice, practice, practice. We never go out and play. And, and when I read that, I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. This is you know so profound and it's such a simple thought, but it's exactly what happens. And again, the practicing is what gets the result for professional players. And most teachers go, yeah, to get to my level, this is what you need to do. But that's completely out of alignment with everyone's goals of just playing a couple of their favorite songs or sitting around the campfire with friends and having a strum along or just being able to pick up and play. So yeah, as I said, when I was reading that, I'm just like, yep, I, I totally get this. This is what I've been saying in my own own way a couple of different times. And just coming to that conclusion of, of going yeah, well, let's meet them at their level. And the thing that always irritates me with students is they go, oh, what are some easy songs that I can learn? And I go, no, it's not what easy songs you can learn. It's, all right, what are the songs you want to learn? And let's give you an easy version oh, that you can play like, yeah, straight you away. It. You get it. And not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets that because – but a lot of – and you were saying it earlier too, is that a lot of guitar teachers um, – they start out, they're kind of jaded. They have to keep teaching because, you know, that's how they pay the bills and they really want to do this other thing. Whereas there are some teachers who they just, they understand it where 
it's it's that all the the impact that you're making on someone and also um making your client happy and getting them the results that they want that light them up like what you just said is a perfect coaching scenario where they come to you with something and you're rewiring their brain on how to think about things because all those misconceptions that they're coming with of well what are some easy songs or um shouldn't i play scales or don't i don't i need to know how to read music or all those things that they're they're being shown a lot of guitar teachers project the things that they were taught and they don't they're not aware that everybody needs their own unique thing and also because you know johnny wants to play these three songs just because either if i don't like them or if i didn't learn that way then it's not a bad thing that he wants to do that. And he doesn't have to aspire to be my level. He could just want to play those songs and that makes him so happy. And so make him happy. I, I always look at the guitar as just a vehicle. Like, again, I, I could be doing anything. This is also why like songwriter studio, it involves other instruments. Like, it doesn't matter what we're using to tap into that confidence or that that inspiration. It's guitar is just one of the easiest things to do that with. It's such a powerful vehicle. But it's just, it's business 101. It's really meeting your customer with where they're at and helping them to achieve something that they maybe didn't even know was possible and really wowing them. And so what you just said was perfect. And I I don't know how many guitar teachers you talk to. Um, I don't talk to that many um, these days, not as much as as I used to, but what you said was a breath of fresh air because not a lot of guitar teachers think like that. And one of the reasons why I wrote the book was to kind of disrupt things where, and trust me, man, I got a lot of hate. I still do. I still do. But that's why I did it. Yeah, I, I know that I know that was <laughs> yeah. a big stink. And so it's good. Like I'm, I'm good with cool with being uh, bold or like contrarian about the whole thing. 100%. And um, part of what we're doing at Top Music is trying to take, you know, new ways of teaching uh, and help some guitar teachers who are frustrated going, Hey, why are my students quitting? It's like, yeah, it's probably because you're trying to teach them stuff that you think is cool or that you think is the right way to do it. And it's, um, you know, every area of education has progressed by light years, but most music teachers are still teaching music the way it was, you know, in the medieval master apprentice kind of scenario, hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And that's to the great detriment of the students. And again, that's what we do with Top music. We're trying to take all these new breakthroughs in education, in in skills, and and for me, you know, learning psychology plays a big part of what I do. Sports science plays a big part of what I do. I remember, you know, being in a year twelve um, classroom and first week of psychology class, and I just randomly picked it because I had a spare subject and learning about, you know, optimized learning. Uh, mnemonic devices, brain hacks and going, oh, wow. First thought was, this is amazing. I'm definitely going to try this out. The second thought was, this would have been really, really cool to learn in the first week of year seven science class, not like the, the, the first week of the final year. But just taking these little things and trying them out and experimenting with them and going, oh, hey, this is making a big difference to all of our students. And we've got to get some of these ideas out to teachers. But there's definitely two different camps. There's kind of like the academic book smart teachers and then there's the um, figured out by yourself, you know, street smart teachers. And, you know, there's definitely uh, merit to both approaches, but ideally you want to combine the best of each and give your students what they need to succeed. And uh, even yesterday, there was somebody in a, one of our Facebook teacher grouping just saying, hey, I'm going crazy here. No one wants to practice. No one wants to do this. No one wants to do that. It's like, well, what are you teaching them? And he's like, yeah, these scales and, and this kind of thing. And we need to practice for an hour straight every night. And just like, well, that's like, you know, way too regimented, especially in this day and age of uh, in their shoes and doing that. And, and I don't know how old their students are, but it just really boils down to people don't usually quit when it comes to fun. Like if you make something fun, like even with scales, like pop on your favorite Zeppelin record and practice the A minor scale over that. And like, just make it more, give it context, like that make, make it fun. And a lot of it's just super dry and I think having piano lessons when I was eight years old and quitting after a year, like I think having that really turned me off of um, the just like dry traditional approach um, where I just kind of formulated something that was more fun and engaging. And, but yeah, you don't quit what's fun. Like it just comes, boils down to that. When, when your, when your clients quit on you in any kind of business, it's because they're not enjoying, they're not getting something out of it. So it's not worth it anymore. They make that decision. It's not worth it. You know, so yeah, I love that. I love that. That's what you guys are doing, bringing that to, um, bring putting that out there. That that these, um, yeah, like the accelerated learning principles and bringing people on. That's really important work, man. Because again, I mean, I don't know how you see it, but I don't see it as just as guitar. I see it that guitar is such a powerful vehicle. It's the only thing that's so portable, so complete, 
also super cool. Like there's all these things jam packed into this thing that I just see it as a vehicle to tap into these other, like it's one of the only things that makes you, um, your whole brain light up, you know, playing guitar and um, learning something on guitar. It's one of the only things. And so it's, it's such a complete experience. And so to provide that, it's almost like we're tricking people because yeah, cool. Play guitar. That's cool. But you also get all these other benefits because of that. So even if you're super focused on guitar, there is the external benefit or the auxiliary benefit of all these other things. Um, confidence goes up. They, they become smarter. They learn faster of even other things. They're happier. All these things happen um, outside of it. Connect with other people are playing in bands. It's such a great tool. Yeah. And it opens up so many other gateways and pathways to the next thing to do. And I think a lot of teachers also, without going off on a tangent, they underestimate the impact they can have on the lives of their students, whether it's the one thing that they look forward to that week because they get someone to talk to, or they get to be part of a group or a team in a in kind of like a, a group lesson or a band kind of program, or the fact that, yeah, that one thing that they wanted, they can now finally do. And then, okay, I can play a song. Now maybe I can do a gig or I can join a band and, and it just snowballs and leads. Into if I can thing. do this, then what else can I do? And those limiting beliefs start getting crushed and um, they, they break through that. They, um, yeah, like I had one guy who was going to quit playing guitar before we met. And um, after a year, not only is he writing his own songs, he's playing at an open mic um, every, every week pretty much. And he has like tremors in his hands. And part of the tremors was because he was uncertain about what to do on, on the guitar. And as soon as we started like really getting into it, it was after a few weeks, it's like the tremor started calming down because it's like, it was simple. He wasn't overloading his brain. And so then he started getting more confident and the confidence started being, making the tremors go down and started getting more and more confident, more and more songs. And it just starts snowballing from there. Just to see someone who said that they were going to quit, you know, someone who's going to quit, and then like fast forward and then you see these like they're playing his own original song at an open mic night says so much, you know. And so those are those are the proud moments for sure. Yeah, that, that's absolutely amazing stuff. And yeah, anytime you get a case like that where you turn someone around, it's just the one of the best rewards you can have as a teacher. Now, um, again, I discovered you with um, Practice Less, Play More. And anyone listening, I recommend jump on Amazon. What's better, Amazon or your website? Where should they go yeah, and check that one out? Can, there, um, you can get the paperback on Amazon. Um, so you can check that out if you want. There's also, if you go to playmoresongs.com, then um, you can get, right now I have um, the PDF plus uh, like a video version of it. Um, I think I have for like seven bucks, something crazy. Um, so yeah, it's really your preference. Some people prefer the paperback, but yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say Amazon would probably be the best, the easiest route because you get fast shipping and all that. Yeah, and a shameless plug for me, Steve hasn't asked me to do that, but I think it's one of those, game-changing books that as a teacher, it will change the way you think about teaching and hopefully lead to you, you know, having better breakthroughs for your students, creating a better experience. Get rid of a lot of the frustrations that you might yourself have about, hey, I need to teach it this way because that's how it is on the sheet music and going, no, well, what can we do to get our students playing along straight away? And again, if you can get them experiencing that and go from A to B in the shortest time possible, even if that means doing simplified versions of songs, like you can see people's face light up in the very first session as opposed to, you know, never, ever getting that stage because they quit. It's the sales, well pitch, it's the sales pitch that like that, the, their success, their results, that's the sales pitch. Like nobody is going to leave that session. If they're, if you, when you see them light up that they're playing along, that's your sales pitch, your entire thing. You don't have to become a great salesperson. You don't have to write great copy, like just get them results like that. And, and in the first sitting, oh man, yeah, they're, they'll be yours. You just keep doing that quick win after quick win. They'll, they'll be a fan of yours for life. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that teachers overlook so much is when they listen to a song and go, oh, yeah, we can get you doing that in about three or four years. If the student practices consistently, it, it's the same as going, oh, yeah, well, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's a great basketball player. You'll be playing like him in, in two or three years. Uh, all you got to do is practice when it, it's anything you hear on the recording is the product of 10 years of hard work by the artist before they ever set foot in a studio and record it let alone all the studio magic they put on top. So when you have a student or a teacher listening to a record and going, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to play along to that, um, you have to see it for what it is. It's, it's playing at the A-level elite of the elite, getting to that rare 1% top of the market before it's a product created for the listener. You need to go, okay, well, what's my little league local basketball group? And that's where you start at an under, you know, what is the seven-year-old local basketball equivalent of this song we're trying to play? Or what is the, you know, the junior high level? And as you grow up in age, your skills improve for whatever reason, 
you know, if we suck at sports, we don't just give up and stop. We persevere with it for, you know, six or seven years until we mature out of it or decide we want to do something else. If we had that expectation with music and going, okay, what is the junior equivalent of this or where are we to match our level of development? And we can always level it up later when our skills develop and go back and do it with open chords or go back and do it with bar chords and eventually make it like the recording. That's something that takes so much time to develop and understanding that as a teacher and being able to communicate that to your students is essential. And, and your book just does that job so well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's actually amazing. It's actually amazing how the upgrade, the upgrade takes way fast. Like it's counterintuitive that by simplifying it first, like you think like it's all these like more steps, it's going to take more time, but striving and struggling with that same bar or first two bars and with the super, like the record, I call it the face value version to struggle with that for so long. Um, instead, get your hands on the song. Um, I call that standing on stage. Like just imagine you're standing on stage with the band, like let Jimmy Page do the heavy lifting and just play power chords along with them. And it's like, okay, cool. So you get a taste of it. You're going to actually play the upgraded version a lot sooner having that power chord version and getting the feel for the music versus trying to get right into the complex moves first. Like if you keep upgrading, it seems like it's going to take longer, but it actually most of the time it's way faster because every single step, every upgrade builds on the previous one. So you have this foundation. And then on top of that, you, when you play that intro, that's super complex. If it gets frustrating or when you're practicing that, it gets frustrating. You could always fall back on the one where you just put on the record and let it rip. Like you need to have something that you can play. And a lot of guitar students, they just don't have anything to play because they're always practicing. They're always working on something. There's no payoff. Yeah, that's it. You hit it right on the head there. And I, again, think of it like a CPU overload. If we're trying to do a complex chord change with three fingers with standard open C and open G, and we're trying to do a complex strum pattern at the same time, that, that's just way too much for a beginner to handle in terms of their, their muscle memory and their CPU power. But if you give them a baseline or a power chord, you can get them playing whatever the strumming pattern is or a, a close to simplified version. And then they get it and they understand it and they acquire that skill, they level up. And then when they go to the chord progression, they've already got that skill down pattern. It's 10 times easier. So by working it out at a simple level and gaining the skills in the, you know, the safe zone, when they do level up, they've got a solid foundation to build from. And that's again, balancing, you know, the learning process and, and how you divide that one all up. So yeah, hit the nail right on the head there. And as I said to you, just before we went live on air, it wasn't until today that I realized you had another book out. So do you want to tell us about your second book, which is also an Amazon bestseller, as you've told me? Hobby Boss. Yes. This, that book is, uh, <laughs> that book was a major endeavor. Um, so I wrote that book during the height of the pandemic. When it first hit, I, I kind of I accelerated the pace of that book because I knew that when COVID hit, I knew that people were going to be out of jobs. And I really wanted to write that as soon as possible and help as many people as possible because I knew that jobs would be lost. I knew that it would just disrupt everything. And so the whole premise of Hobby Boss is turn your passion into profits online. So it's uh, whether you're in, um, you know, you're a musician or you're an artist or just any hobby, sports, an athlete, like anybody who wants to share a skill with someone else. Um, it's it's basically I just teach what worked for me, and the book is split up into four sections. I just wrote the book that I would have needed when I was, you know, sitting there in the hospital you know, taking care of my dad, like what would I, what were the things like, just do this, then this, then this, then this. Um, so like the whole book is based on something that I call six strings to six figures. So it's basically, there's six questions to ask in each section, uh, the four pillars of profit. Um, so each pr pillar has six strings, six different strings from this idea to this, like, how do I get from this to this? And you just follow the steps and you basically come up with all the things from, um, getting yourself in the right mindset of being an entrepreneur in how to produce your first solution and how to promote that solution, make your first sale, and then on how to keep making more sales and keep that customer. Um, so that's what the book goes through. It's a, it's a big book. I'm not going to lie. Uh, recording that audio book was absolutely insane. And, but it, the book, I'm super proud of it. And I think that anyone who actually goes through it, even if you just go through the first section, um, I think that you'll get a lot out of it and really understand what it means to be an entrepreneur, especially online. And then when you get into the next section, I mean, if you want to put together a product, even if you're not uh, putting something together, that's going to be recorded that you sell over and over again, even if you're doing something like one-on-one -on -one, uh, lessons, then you're just going to understand more about what is the customer want, all the stuff we were just talking about, what does the customer actually want? 
because that's what they buy, what they want, they'll buy. And then what do they need? So, you know, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. And so those things from based on all the things that I've learned, you know, not every single concept inside the book I can claim as mine. I always cite the people who have inspired me and I've included that. It's like, I'm this student, this guinea pig, and I just took everything that I learned about business um, and I put that into, and mindset, I put that all into the book. And I think that it's pretty cool. I think it's uh, a lot of people um, really got a lot out of it. I mean, um, my clients who I've worked with on, with on Hobby Boss um, have definitely uh, like leveled up their businesses because there's just some simple fixes, some things that it's like, I can't believe I made that mistake. And it's just, oh, it's just a little shift here or there, you know, and how you approach it. And you make a big impact on someone's life. And when you do that, you just have a customer that just keeps paying over and over and over. And um, whether that's live lessons or whether that's uh, recorded products, you know, it's uh, it's a pretty amazing thing waking up and seeing that like there are PayPal notifications that you made a thousand bucks before you even woke up or things like that, you know, just things that you wouldn't necessarily experience as a musician. Cause most people assume that musicians are broke all the time, you know? So these are things that just don't, um, it, it, those are limiting beliefs that we could smash through. And my book sets out to, um, to smash those limiting beliefs and help inspire and educate people. Fantastic. So that one's called hobby boss. And where can our listeners go and uh, get a copy of that? I would say, yeah, Amazon would be the best bet. If you go to hobbybossbook.com, then uh, you click that link and it'll just take you to, um, to, the, to the page for, uh, on Amazon in your, in your country. But yeah, you could just search it on Amazon, Hobby Boss. Fantastic. Now, I know a lot of our listeners uh, are probably sitting on books or may have even written books, but don't really know how to get them there. What, what advice or, or process would you recommend for those who want to write a book but are stuck or those that have a book and, and want to get it out and share it with the world? Yeah, for someone who doesn't have a book yet, I highly, highly recommend having a book because a lot of your business will come from the book. Like it just does so much for your credibility. Um, even in 2022, it's just amazing how we still look at an author as, you know, like up on a pedestal, like they're really like you've achieved something. It says a lot about you that you like set out to do a project and you've put your, your body of knowledge into this book and now you're selling it. It just says a lot. It's still to this day, we still respect authors. And so that a lot of people bought my book, both books, and they haven't read them, but it was like, they read enough to know that they were like really into what I was talking about. And then they would reach out and then they usually join one of my memberships or uh, I'd, I'd be coaching them privately or whatever it might be. It did a lot of the selling. So as a marketing tool, a hundred percent, I think people need to be um, writing books, like come up with your own system or just come up with like similar to what I did with hobby boss, like just what worked for you and just document that because you never know who that's going to help and be yourself. Like you really like be yourself. I'm not your typical business person, like per se. Um, now, I mean, there's a whole range, but you know, there's certain things that I do that I don't really see anywhere else. And, um, and I like that because I'm unique and I do things my way. And so instead of trying to like copy someone else and what is this going to work? Like I'll just be myself. I know that there's going to be some people who hate that and people who love that. And the more uh, polarizing you can be, the better. So practice less, play more is a controversial title, four words. And that's basically fed my kids for the past, what, however many years. Um, it, it's like, you got to be bold. And so don't play it safe. Like, don't be lukewarm for someone who doesn't, who doesn't have a book, like, you know, just jot down your ideas, look at what worked for you and set aside some time every day just to write a little bit. Um, it could be 250 words a day, but for someone who has a book and want to, wants to put it out there, like some people are just a little bit squeamish, like not squeamish, but like a little bit, um, uh, they're apprehensive to put their stuff out there, put themselves out there, show themselves. And, um, and I would just say, yeah, you know, you got to try it out because, I just, I feel like musicians, they shortchange themselves very often because they just, they either feel like they're not good enough or there's a bunch of limiting beliefs that come into play. And so Amazon especially makes it so easy to just become a published author. Like just put your stuff out there. And if you need any help with anything, I mean, you know, um, I'd be happy to, to have a quick chat, like via email or whatever, you know, it's, it's like, I, I just want people to put their stuff out there because it's so important that people see your perspective. Like if it's an authentic perspective, the way you describe it, even if they've heard it 20 other times, the way you describe it. And when you say it, like when they come across your stuff, you're the person who makes the, the light bulb turn on. And it's such a, an amazing opportunity to have for someone where you just click with them and there will be enough people in your world. Like you have a hundred people, let's say a hundred people um, who pay you a hundred bucks a month even, and you've got 
a good amount of money coming in. Like there's, 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 you don't need to have the masses. You have a very small amount of people. I, I'm that kind of person. I like going deep with less people. And so I always do that rather than having, you know, tons and tons of people, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But volume wasn't always my thing. It's like, I want to make sure that I could go super deep rather than wide. And, um, and so, but that's the business that I created. So yeah, going for it, just doing it and taking that step and surround yourself with good people who who can influence you, um, in in positively. And, um, and if you don't know how to do something, then just reach out, whether it's, um, to, to me or Michael or whoever, just, you know, reach out and look for help. Someone who's achieved something that you want to achieve, latch onto those people and start learning from them. Um, that's, yeah, just, you got to do it. You have to, cause it's really, especially that was, I would have had the same, um, pep talk before COVID, but since COVID even more so, not just because of what it's done to the, um, job market, but also what it's the opportunity that it's created. It basically made the whole world go online. Dude, when COVID hit in the first lockdown, that was the best month of my business. Why? Because everyone was home and they were looking for stuff to do. So the opportunity is enormous and it's, it's, it's uh, something that I think we need to capitalize on for sure is that people are open to this. Now the world has gone digital and zoom is a regular thing. It's a household thing. And so um, just getting on that and, um, and capitalizing and making an impact on people's lives, not capitalizing, taking advantage but of, of people, but making a change in their lives because of what COVID has created. I think even more so it's more important that uh, people start looking at uh, making their own income and not relying on, you know, a job or anything else. Like ha- at least have your own, whether you said like side hustle or whether it's their main business, they have to, they just have to do it. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, and you mentioned, you know, reaching out for help, which is critically important. Um, how important has membership, uh, sorry, mentorship been for you over the years? And, and what sort of stuff have you gotten help with as you've been building online lessons or even way back to the, uh, you know, the band days? Yeah, dude. I mean, mentorship, like that's the whole thing is just making sure that you have someone who's experienced something that you want to experience and or at the very least, someone who you could partner with who's going through the same thing as you are. Um, cause you could leverage off of like, Oh, I learned a little bit of this. You share it with them. They learned a little bit of this. They share with you. And so you're like, they're one step ahead of you. And then they bring you up and vice versa. Um, but yeah, typically I'm the guy who will read one chapter of a book and I want what's in the book. And I just go to the the conclusion and go to like the website and look to see if there's a coaching program that they have or something that's going to like get me that thing right away. Like at least the the info and the support that I need right away. And so, yeah, for, from, um, from a business standpoint, that's really when the coaching, when I, cause I'm a, I'm a self-taught musician. I have had some, some coaches when I was on the kiss tour, I wanted to have just an objective opinion. So I did take some guitar lessons during that time, just to have someone who can help me with certain things to refine my, um, my skill set. but the business stuff, that's when I really started getting into it. Just having, yeah, coach after coach. I mean, I've had guys like, um, I'm not sure if any of the names would, um, would ring a bell, but, um, Alex Jeffries was my first coach. I've had, um, I mean, I followed tons of Frank Kern, different programs that I've been in of his. And just like I've worked, actually, there was a, a time, like one year where I, um, was, was working directly, um, with, uh, I was on contract with, uh, Ryan Levesque and even, um, with Russell Brunson and doing things for them, like, um, doing marketing, uh, research or doing things, helping to build, uh, their stuff from the back and like really diving into it. And so that the best way to learn is just to experience. So you got to do it. Like you just have to, this is also back to that book thing is just see what happens if you put the book out and like the world isn't going to explode, like put the book out and see what happens and start building off of that. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to mentorship for me right now, I'm on a bit of a cleanse. Um, I have the ones that I like, I have like one or two things going on right now uh, who I'm following, but after investing, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, man, like more, like I've had years of business where um, the, the profit wasn't really that much because I've invested so much. But now I'm on the other side of it where it's like, okay, cool. Those lessons, I have some good people around who I can ask questions to and um, and I'm accountable to. But it's like, now's the time to like really, really implement. And I, there's no way that I'd be able to do that confidently. Even though I'm in year eight of my business, there's no way I would be able to do that confidently if I didn't have, um, if I wasn't standing on the shoulders of giants. Like I just needed to, whether it was um, books or videos and courses or working with a coach, 
I feel like it's something that um, is just worth the investment. I mean, we're talking time here. Like you're you're shaving time off of off of the equation and um, and helping. I wouldn't say guarantee the result, but definitely making it more likely that we'll succeed. I think it's super smart. Yeah, that's t- totally awesome. And the, the biggest advantage of getting any sort of coaching, um, whether it's this top music kind of program we're running for teachers or investing in in uh, any other coach or business. Uh, guru there it's the fact that it can take years off the amount of time it would get you to figure things out and just like you make it 10 times faster for your students than teaching themselves sometimes we as business owners or entrepreneurs you know need to find someone who's already done what we've uh, what we're hoping to do and just you know get it straight from the horse's mouth and and accelerate our way through that so yeah it's definitely a big big fan of uh, investing into coaching and programs that can help you get to that next level quicker uh, now, as an entrepreneur, and I know we're going to wind this up for time's sake, but as an entrepreneur, you obviously have tons and tons of really good ideas. And I'm sure you've had your fair share of ones you haven't implemented either. How do you know which are good opportunities to pursue and which are ones that are, you know, might be great ideas, but you put those on the shelf for later or just ignore them completely? Do you have any sort of process there? Great question. It's hard to turn off the tap. Like, where yeah you and and as an entrepreneur as an entrepreneur you think every idea is just genius genius right away um like um it's like this thing this is the best idea i've ever had um what i've learned is you have to put them somewhere like whether that means i have things called like folders i have like i have so basically i'll um on on notes on apple notes I'll have different ideas in one folder or I'll have a category of ideas um, in in this folder and this one's for this and this. And so I know that I'm de- for sure not going to try to remember it. That's the number one thing is like, okay, so I got to document that somewhere. Um, and that's whether that's a business idea or a song idea or whatever. I got to put it somewhere. That's number one. But then also it's with a, from a business standpoint, just test the damn thing um, as soon as possible. Like, First, and so, so you got to be smart about, you don't want to do things that are not, that are unrelated. Like one thing that I've got going on, it took a long time to get this happening. And um, my business kind of had to take a bit like, uh, like three or four steps back before moving forward, because I just had to structure things like I was saying, play, write, teach. That's like those, that's the thing that encapsulates my life and uh, my business. It took a while to get to that, which seems simple, but it took a while to get to that trifecta. And so everything that, I come up with has to fit one of those things, a book that I write, like, I'm not going to come up with, I'm not going to write a cookbook. Like if I'm into cooking and I'm like, Oh, well, you know, be so amazing. And it's really, um, there's a fusion of, I don't know, like I say like Mexican and Chinese food. And I like, this is the next big thing. And I'm going to come up with a cooking, um, a cookbook. If I heard that that's an upcoming opportunity or like crypto or something like that, like it doesn't make sense. It's got to be holistic. It's got to feed each other. And so I have a lot of projects on the go. And what I'll do is I'll get inspired to do something. And I'll put a little bit here, or I'll be writing this book and I'll write a little bit of a chapter here. Or I'll write, and I have these folders, like now I'm writing this chapter or writing this, or this one ends up in the Apple notes or, um, or I'm, this is an ad that I'm testing. And I think it's a great idea, but if i like, let's let the customers decide if it's a good idea or not. And so I'll put that out there. I just, I know where to put things. And again, everything feeds each other, play, write, teach all of those things. Like the play customers can also upgrade to writing songs. And if people want to teach, then they can go into Guitar Coach Academy. Like there's, they, they'll jump from thing to thing, but you got to have um, an ecosystem. It's got to be all holistic. So how I judge whether or not the idea is good or not, um, I let for business, I let the customers decide with their credit card, if it's good or like with their email addresses, if it's opting in. And, um, and if it's just like, yeah, coming up with ideas for books or whatever it might be, it just has to feed the, the beast. It has to all fit together. And just after, because my business is a little more established, I just, I know whether it does or not, I guess, instinctively, it just, it's kind of logically, it makes sense. Like I said, I won't do a crypto offer or anything like that. I know, uh, like I, my business is pretty simple when it comes to it. I just show people how to do a bunch of cool things, uh, like surrounding music. And then I'd show my business clients, all the cool things that I just did showing people how to like play music better or write music, you know? So it's just like, it's pretty simple trade-off. And, um, and so for me, because that's established, that made sense. But back in 2018, when I like didn't know, I had this list of things that I, all these things I could do, but not nothing I was like really passionate about. At that point, that was driving me crazy because I just didn't have anything that I could really sink my teeth into. So I guess what the lesson from all of that is, first, make sure you have one thing that's working and then 
build on that. Cause like, if you're just coming up with a bunch of ideas, then you're like a millimeter in a, in a million different directions instead of, you know, going super deep on one, you got to do get one thing going first. And then I'm all about diversifying. Like you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Cause if this one, you know, goes belly up, then you just, you don't, then you're, you're screwed. Right. So, so make sure though, that you get some traction on something and then all the different ideas. Um, I would just suggest that it's got to all feed that, that one thing. That's it. So you, you stay focused on your main kind of vein. Everything's in the same vein. And uh, within the framework of music, you have a couple of different streams or a couple of different pillars, but they're all you know, under, under the same roof, so to speak. That's awesome. And I think a big thing, a lot of people, entrepreneurial, whether they're music teachers or not, is they just go chasing every single opportunity and they end up coming up with 10 different ideas in 10 different directions and do a whole bunch of things mediocre uh, to a mediocre degree, or they just, uh, you know, fail one because it didn't get enough attention or, or never stick with anything long enough to, you know, to grow it to the point where it's self-sustainable and allows them to go across to the next thing. But yeah, if you can stay focused on the main thing and then have a couple of different subsidiaries that are all in the same area, it makes a huge difference. Now, Steve, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. It's been an absolute blast finally connecting with you. Do you have any final pieces of wisdom to impart with our listeners, guitar teachers all around the world, uh, whether it's from your experience personally or anything you've been thinking of? One last final final bit of advice for them. Yeah, dude. First of all, thanks so much for having me. Uh, this has been a blast. Um, I think just to kind of bring it all back full circle, um, it's funny how KISS was like really like a major part of my my life. Um, and so really as like advice is keep it super simple is the best thing. Keep it super simple for yourself. Keep it super simple for your customers. Everybody wins. That is also like the cheesiest and best wrap up full circle thing I've, I've ever done in a podcast or thing. But yeah, keep it simple. That is one of the best ways you could have brought that one home as well. And lastly, Steve, where can our listeners connect with you online, find more about your books and products and programs and, and basically you know continue on the conversation beyond this podcast? For sure. Like you mentioned, um, Amazon has both my books, Practice Less, Play More, and um, and also Hobby Boss. Um, but yeah, if you go to uh, rockstarmind.com, then that's probably the best place to uh, to get started. Fantastic. So listeners, make sure you check out Steve's stuff. I'm sure his, uh, his new book, Hobby Boss, is absolutely fantastic. That's going to definitely go on my uh, next purchase list. But again, Practice Less, Play More is an absolute fantastic uh, book. Go out and, and definitely that gets the absolute... I don't have a top music you know, seal of approval so far, but I think that might be the first one that we uh, stamp on any book or product um, from here on. But guys, thank you so much for listening at home. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Top Music Podcast here. And for those of you, if you've gotten value out of this conversation, make sure you go hit up Steve through the, the, the links and everything that we'll provide for you later and what he's mentioned. And if you are looking for help with guitar teaching and you want to get more ideas and hear more from other great minds like Steve, make sure you check out the Top Music Guitar membership that we've got. Continue to listen to the podcast, like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on social media. So once again, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. And for our listeners, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next exciting episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thanks very much, guys. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.